0: what's up guys this is josh peterson of humanic media and i'm gerald glassford and we're from the pop culture cosmos and the pcc multiverse and you're listening to grab them by the pod right here on the ace podcast network are you gonna buy them dinner first i might as well
1: Welcome back to Grab Them By The Pod. I'm Kevin, along with Jesse, here to talk to you about some Donald Trump politics, the world of Washington, and all that it has to offer, which these days is a lot.
2: You know, we try to come into this show every week with, with an idea of what we're going to say, uh, it's becoming increasingly more difficult because things break. It seems like it's 6 o'clock every day before we go on, sometimes a little later. It's about 9 o'clock on the East Coast here. And just a few minutes ago, I got a, a little alert on my phone that said, Attorney General Jeff Sessions offered to resign after tensions grew with Trump. Uh, it's it's still developing, so there's really not much out there. But it just says uh, the relationship uh, began to deteriorate after uh, Sessions recused himself from March. From the russian investigation it's unclear when when sessions offered to resign but the moment was brief and sessions made his offer as a suggestion after weeks of frustration according to two people close to the white house who requested to speak anonymously and we know how the trump administration feels about anonymous sources except you know when it benefits them but but it's interesting that uh i guess trump just doesn't like anybody even the people who do his bidding
1: well it's been said that donald trump doesn't really listen to anybody he trusts his own gut instinct, and he goes with it. So regardless of how highly qualified any of his cabinet members, his advisors, his attorney general might be, he doesn't really value their opinion. He's going to go with what he believes is best.
2: And it's weird because I don't like Trump, but I also don't like his attorney general, so I don't know um, whose side I take on this one. But you think you put people in these positions to listen to them, even you know if we don't like them, he should be liking what they say, or he should like their opinion, or or trust it. So it's just really odd. So I'm sure we'll have more to say on that next week uh, if if more comes out. Uh, But I want to start off talking about this Thursday. It's going to be a big, big day. I've been waiting for a long time. Uh, It's the Comey hearing. It's going to appear before the Senate Intelligence Committee. Uh, Put it on your calendars. Mark it down. It's must-see TV. I'm actually afraid it may may actually break the Internet or break C-SPAN or or break these channels uh, because I feel everybody's eyes are going to be watching this.
1: Yeah, it's going to be riveting television. According to CNN, this will be the, quote unquote, Super Bowl of Washington, D.C. in politics. Um, You know, for once, perhaps watching C-SPAN won't be as, you know, silly as some people think it is. It's, It's going to be riveting TV. You know, it's going to be people glued to it, waiting to see if that, you know, the other foot is going to drop here with what Comey has to say.
2: I actually had a friend reach out to me today that I, I told her about c-span that it, you could you know, download it on, or watch it online she thought it was just the channels and she started watching it and then realized you know what I'm getting pissed off now because I think Betsy DeVos was on there today just you know, I can't stand listening to her it's making me upset so you know it's a double-edged sword it's good to get to watch this but then you get to actually watch it which isn't always a lot of fun.
1: Well, I've been saying for years that C-SPAN is is good television. I enjoy watching it. You know, maybe it's just because I really like politics. But you can learn a lot from watching it, too. And in these trying times, we need to be on top of our politicians. We need to know what's going on. And if we don't, you know, we run the risk of losing. Losing our grip on democracy, so people start tuning in to C-SPAN.
2: You can see all the nonsense that actually goes on in Washington D.C. But it, so it's interesting. There's a lot of information that's kind of leaked out over the last couple of days. There's a lot of people worried that Trump may try to use executive privilege and uh, make it so that Comey can't testify. But yesterday, uh, Sierra Huckabee Sanders, you know, said, "No, well, we're not going to do that. He can testify." You know, in her little southern draw. Uh, But then sources came out today saying that ABC News spoke to somebody um, who swears that Comey is not going to uh, say that Trump interfered with the FBI investigation. I think he just wants to go in there and and say, you know, I didn't tell him three times that he's he's under investigation. You know, people are trying to spin this as O.C. He's going to say that Trump didn't do anything wrong. I think in Comey fashion, he's like not going to say one way or the other. He's like, you know, I can't speak to that, but here's what I can speak to.
1: Right. The facts will come out on either side of this, depending on what actually happened. And I think you're right. I think Comey tries to be a straight shooter, and he tries to go by the book and be factual. So he's not necessarily trying to be an alarmist or a chicken little, if you will. He's just going to give it to you what he has, the the facts and the information that he's collected based on his conversations with the president.
2: Now, again, as always, things are always popping up. I was actually just sent an article here uh, that says... Uh, top intelligence, uh, uh, let's see. Top intelligence official told associates, Trump asked him if he could intervene with Comey on FBI probe. Let's see. The nation's top intelligence official told associates in March that President Trump asked him if he could interview then FBI Director Comey uh, to get the bureau to back off its investigation. So, there's another story every five seconds. Uh, I, this is this is what this is a. Uh, Less than a week after being confirmed by the Senate, so this is uh, former Senator Dan Coats, who's director of national intelligence. So, you know, I I feel like the second we say anything and post it online, it's already old news. So, uh, you know, I, I, we'll, we'll wait for this to see what plays out. You know, why even bother talking about this whole Russia thing until the until the Kobe hearing happens? Because that's gonna be that's gonna be what, what what the news is, right? Am I am I crazy here?
1: No, you're absolutely right. And the interesting thing will be to see. What does the White House do in response to all of this? You know, it's kind of clear that the White House needs some sort of coordinated response. But according to Axios's Mike Allen, they don't seem to have any kind of clear response lined up. They're not sure of what and how they're going to respond to any of this. So this could continue to be the circus that we've been seeing out of the White House in the last month or so.
2: I mean, their response is going to be Trump apparently – Thinking about live tweeting this entire hearing if he feels it's necessary, and I mean that could, that's just not that's not good news for Trump or his administration. If he just gets angry at Comey saying something, starts calling him a liar, or calling him a loser, or calling him whatever, I, I, and I know uh, he didn't put Comey in place, but if he's if he's hearing now from people like Dan Coats, who he nominated, who he put in the position, and they're even saying some things are are not uh, not kosher, so to speak, it's, it's just a ticking time bomb. Trump has plenty of advisors telling him that he should stop tweeting,
1: that he should stop yeah. talking. But yet again, as we've said, he doesn't really care about the opinions of these advisors. Killian Conway's husband guy, <laughs> right. saying, shut up.
2: <laughs> so uh, he's going to do what he's going to do, and, and that could be to his own detriment. Well, most likely. So anybody who wants to watch this, it's going to be Thursday, 10 o'clock Eastern time. You can watch it. On your television – I would say Fox, CNN, and MSNBC and probably other ones will all be airing it. C-SPAN will be airing it. If you go to C-SPAN's website or probably any of these uh, news channels' websites – it's going to be everywhere. I I can't imagine you're not going to be able to find it. Um, Just make sure you have good bandwidth and stuff because I think it's going to be a lot of people crowding crowding the lines.
1: Yes, it's already been announced that the big three, the traditional mainstream media that the president likes to uh, lampoon – Fake news. Is ABC, CBS, NBC – they're all going to be broadcasting it live, so you can tune into any major American news network, and and most of the minor ones as well, and you'll be able. Al Jazeera America
2: or Headline News. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, Trump, he just can't stop tweeting. We've mentioned that, and we'll we'll probably be mentioning it on this podcast until the day we're done doing this podcast. Uh, so. This morning he went on a Twitter, Twitter rampage. He continued his Twitter rampage. I probably should say he started saying how the the fake mainstream media is working hard to get me not to use social media. The hate that I get, an honest and message out. No, no I and mean, we're not the only ones saying that. The mainstream media aren't the only people saying this. His own people, as you just pointed out, are saying this. But he doesn't care. He just keeps wanting to say that you know the CBS, NBC, ABC, all these places are fake news, and and if we relied on them, we'd uh, never get the true story, and he would never be in the White House. But it's, it's just him projecting, I think, that it, he doesn't like that these places call him on his BS when he's surrounded by yes-men and sycophants.
1: Right. If he keeps making these accusations, he can keep deflecting away from the real problem and the real issues that he's creating.
2: That's totally Trumpian, though, you could say. He also said that during a recent trip to the Middle East, uh, he started uh, talking to people from Saudi Arabia and other places, and they all pointed to Qatar as being a place of a radical ideology. Uh, and I, I, mean, I don't exactly know what he's saying to do with Qatar. By the way, do you say Qatar or Qatar? Well, you know, interesting <laughs> that
1: you should ask this. The, <laughs> the actual pronunciation seems to be up in the air. But according to a 2010 report by NPR, Mike Pesca the pronunciation that the government of Qatar gave him was that it should sound somewhat like guitar, like Qatar, <laughs> yeah. with the emphasis on the cut and the tar. But then they I, also said, but everybody already pronounces it that way anyway. But yeah. you if you've listened to any news reports on the country over the last 10 years, you've had any one of a Dozen or more pronunciations of the name.
2: Well, it's like spelling and... Muammar Gaddafi's name. You know, there's no real <laughs> right. one answer. I I say Qatar. Qatar. Um, it, it upsets me. It's like when people. I, I remember watching a news story uh, on like sexual harassment, but the, but the newsman said sexual harassment. That, that upsets me. No, that's not how you say it. Um, it's always the Caribbean, except for the Pirates of the Caribbean. And these are the things that stick out in my mind.
1: Does that upset you as much as former President Obama's use of the term ISIL instead of ISIS oh, yeah. or or
2: Pakistan? Yes. Yeah, Pakistan. I do not like that. I don't know, like Saddam Hussein. I did at a point out the other day that someone said they were going to Nevada. And I said, I believe if you're from there, it's called Nevada. I say Nevada, mm-hmm. though. But, uh, you know, tomato, it's, tomato. it's rich. It's regional. Let's call the whole thing off. So, um, so, yeah, Bahrain, Egypt, Saudi Arabia, the United Arab Emirates all announced are cutting the diplomatic ties to Qatar, to Qatar, whatever. Um, you know, They say that Qatar supports extremist groups. Um, it's weird that Trump is, like, so much uh, touting Saudi Arabia's view on this because, you know, we all know Saudi Arabia was tied to 9-11, or the, all, the, all the people you know who did 9-11 were from Saudi Arabia, and not to mention that there's a gigantic U.S. air base in Qatar right now, so… You should not be doing uh, this kind of diplomatic work through Twitter. This is for the Secretary of State. This is for the Secretary of Defense, not for Trump doing 143 characters.
1: Right, and you know the idea that we throw Saudi Arabia into this, given their connection to what happened on 9/11,
2: you know, perhaps that's because they've been feeding the president all of the steak and ketchup he could eat. (laughs) Mm, Have it just, just throw it in the in the oven, put it on high for an hour pulled out you are good to go now I don't know who I probably should have researched this I apologize what do they have a king in Qatar is it a prime minister or whatever but there's a video and gif out there or or jif depending on who you're talking to uh, out there of him like three weeks ago shaking hands with the dude like it was all good so you know much like all his views his views on international diplomacy just go wherever the winds carry him and uh, you know you can really screw up domestically when you do this kind of stuff you can start a war when you do this stuff internationally it's it's not funny <laughs> so the Relax. true test the true test will be at the 2022 World
1: Cup which Qatar is hosting you know will the United States pull a 1980 Olympic Games in Moscow will we boycott?
2: Well, the whole thing is ridiculous to begin with. Well, that's one I think Chicago lost out to, pissed off Obama, and really pissed off, uh, I think, Clinton went over there. It's because I think during the time of these games, the average temperature in Qatar is like 126 degrees. So yeah, that's that's going to work. It's. And I think there were some shenanigans going on with that too, but uh, that's for uh, people who are more into football than I am to comment on. Uh, By the way, speaking of terrorism, it's interesting. John McCain came out this weekend and said he thinks Putin and Russia are actually more dangerous in the world stage than ISIS. You know, ISIS, he said, can do terrible things, but the Russians tried to fundamentally destroy our democracy and tried to screw our elections up. And he views Putin and the Russians as a far greater challenge. And you know, I got to say, I agree with him because. I mean, believe me, ISIS is horrible. I can't even imagine having to deal with that stuff if I was over there. But you can, as bizarre as you can kind of predict the way they're going to act. But with Putin, he he's on the down low and doing God knows what and using his diplomacy to to really screw with her way of life.
1: Well, here's what I think on this. And, and for this, I'm going to defer to Mary Dejevsky of The Guardian, the British uh, newspaper, who says that, we have a skewed vision of the power that ISIS has. So like in support of the idea that Putin is more of a threat than ISIS, you know, ISIS has actually lost ground in recent months. But because of their ability to use social media, the Internet, and to show their barbaric ways, we get this uh, false sense that they are more successful than they really are. Whereas Russia actually has... A military that is probably, you know, third in line after the United States and China that could really do damage on an international stage, whereas ISIS doesn't have that capability. Now, what Djevsky says is that Russia isn't really, or at least she believes Russia isn't really in the mood for fighting, whereas ISIS, you know, has been using uh, their their muscle that, that they can. Uh, that she doesn't really believe that Putin is actually out to try to fight anybody, but you know who knows? But in my mind, I would say that, yeah, ISIS, as far as a threat to the United States is concerned, you know, Putin and Russia really do pose a bigger one.
2: I mean, wh- when I'm in London uh, this last weekend, is horrible. Um, when that stuff happens in America or happens anywhere else in the world, it's just flat out horrible. And uh, we see that, and it's a huge bang. Like, you know, uh, someone has been shot. Someone has been stabbed. Something has been blown up, and it's horrible. What, what Russia does – and I'm afraid I should probably lock up my computer after this. God uh, guy knows what might happen. But um, they can – as McCain mentioned, like, they can fundamentally – Destroy democracy in your country and do it on the down low, and do it so that half the country kind of just doesn't care. And if that happens repeatedly all over the world, it's it's a it's a big big deal. And um, the fact that it's it's kind of w- with a um, with a sigh that we get we speak about it instead of going oh my god, I think that's why some people just think the big booms that come out of ISIS are that much more dangerous.
1: Well, but according to Putin, it's not the Russians, the Russian government, anyway, that's hacking into our elections or hacking into our system. It's just patriotic people.
2: It's what the reality? They arrested somebody. Was a reality winner? Winner, reality winner. What the hell kind of name is? I I didn't understand the story for the longest time because that name is just so bizarre.
1: Somebody who won a reality television show. Yeah, no, that's no, it, exactly actually her what name. It is.
2: Yeah, I mean, she. I guess she leaks some stuff out there. Obviously, not the. Uh, the th- Did you see that? By the way, uh, I read an article very briefly that Michael Moore, who I am no fan of, set up some site called like Trumpy Leaks, where people can feel safe to leak information. Uh, and it, it's so tough for me to look at this because, uh, you know, I. Leaking is illegal, but it's also when it's for your person, you like it. You know, it's it's. I, I won't pretend to have the moral high ground on this when it comes to anything. Because if they leaked it on on somebody that I liked, I'd be upset. If it was against Trump, I'd be like, "Well, let's get the news out there so we so we're prepared. We have the have the, all the information." I don't know. had not heard okay. of that, so well, but keep an eye on it. Yeah, and I lied. I didn't read the article. I just saw the the title of the article and go. I'll, I'll look at that later on. <laughs> very um, Trumpian of you. He is <laughs> yeah, very Trump fake. Um, (laughs) Speaking of that uh, terrorist attack in London, so uh, Trump, 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 sometimes saying less is more. Um, He tweeted out the other day that the pathetic excuse by London Mayor Sadiq Khan, who, by the way, is Muslim, and I think that just pisses off Trump, um, who had to think fast on his no-reason-to-be-alarm statement, Uh, mainstream media is working hard to sell it. He basically mad that um, Khan said – that, you know, in the coming days, we're going to have an increased police presence around here. Like, don't be worried. You're saying, you know, this isn't nothing else is imminent. We're just doing this to as we get through this whole crisis. And Trump acted like he's saying, you know, don't worry about terrorist attacks. You know, it's, it's no big deal. He basically misrepresented what Khan was doing. And can you imagine, I, our good friend Harry Enton actually pointed this out on Twitter a day or two ago. Could you imagine if Tony Blair made that same kind of comment to Rudy Giuliani after 9-11? Oh my God, the, the world would have exploded.
1: Well, see, blair wouldn't do that because he has tact in class and you know was an actual man of his government but yeah i couldn't imagine him doing that as well you know again this is just donald trump being the classic elementary schoolyard bully
2: yeah and, you know it, it's funny if, if by the way if blair actually had done that i don't think we would have known because like that british accent i mean everything just sounds so proper and polite they can they can uh, put us down and we're like wow that sounded pretty classy um you know there's I just don't understand why he had to say anything uh, to Khan. and It's going against, I guess, Trump's global agenda, but there there was just no reason to say any of that. So this all uh, came together with Trump going full ahead on the travel ban. Yes, capital letters, travel ban. Uh, He tweeted out the other day that the lawyers in the courts can call whatever they want, but I'm calling it what we need. This is, again, I always have trouble reading his tweets because they're not great, but I'm calling it what we need and what it is. A travel ban. So Sean Spicer has repeatedly said since uh, January that this is not a travel ban, but Trump doesn't mind uh, making his people look stupid. Uh, Secretary Ockby Sanders the other day said, you know, he doesn't care what it's what it's called. He cares that he saves American lives. But again, that wasn't Sean Spicer saying that. Um, and this is going to hurt their case, by the way, in the long run because uh, he keeps talking about how this is just a watered-down version of the previous one. And they're in court right now saying this is different than the other one. This is why I think he might be in trouble with Comey. He just can't keep his mouth shut and, and gets in trouble for it.
1: Right. It, it's hurting his case. Right. You're you're arguing before the Supreme Court that this is not a travel ban. And here's the president, you know, theoretically the chief author of this <laughs> saying that it is a travel ban, contradicting his, his own advisors and the people doing his bidding. So, you know, it's not gonna play well
2: before SCOTUS. Forced to go. And it's interesting that he yells at DOJ for this. He's the person that signed it. The first one was signed in you know, the broad daylight, everybody was watching. But the second one was signed behind doors, no cameras, no anything. If he didn't like the new version, if he thought it was watered down, he shouldn't have signed it. Don't go around. I can't believe I'm saying don't pick on Jeff Sessions, but don't pick on Jeff Sessions. This, this particular thing is not necessarily his fault, this is Trump's fault. Right. And he just keeps blabbering
1: away. It's only going to hurt his case. And as we, you mentioned before, Jess, that uh, even people from his circle, right, Kellyanne Conway's husband, who's a uh, New York City attorney, George T. Conway, the third, wrote this week that, you know, Trump's comments in, quote, might make some people feel better, but won't win a Supreme Court majority. <laughs>
2: yeah i don't think he has this uh, going in the supreme court it's been found unconstitutional yes a guy out in an island in the middle pacific found the second one to be uh to be unconstitutional as jeff sessions would say but yeah i don't think this is going to do him any favors if it goes to the supreme court right now well we've got to keep the extreme vetting up no matter what and i also like how he said over the weekend that we have to stop being so politically correct and get down to the business of security for our people Now, I I know this is a stretch, and it may be unfair, but when I see him saying, you know, we have to stop political correctness and get down uh, to business security for our people, it's the only way to keep them safe. I'm like, well, you know, we have to suspend the Constitution. It's the only way to keep us safe. I feel like it's it's a slippery slope sometimes when you start saying, you know, don't pay attention to this because your safety is is, at—is you know, what we have to focus on. Because people, when they're afraid, make stupid mistakes and stupid decisions, and uh, that's why – People throughout the throughout history have used people's fear of their own safety to get some of their crazy things passed and and uh, on the books.
1: Right, and if you were watching New Day with Chris Cuomo on CNN this morning, uh, Nancy Pelosi, majority leader in uh, the House of Reps, who we're we're not always a fan of, she did come out and say that Trump's thoughts are in quote a complete disregard for the Constitution end quote. Right? so yeah. people are are calling this what it is. You know, when you have, when you are repeatedly calling this a travel ban, when you are sidestepping your people that you have uh, speaking for you that are saying that it is not a travel ban, and then you come out and say it as the president, you are showing a complete disregard for the Constitution.
2: I mean, this is the equivalent I – mean, maybe not the equivalent, but close enough that if uh, if Bill Clinton's spokesman had said, like, he did not have sexual relations with that with that woman. And then in the trial he comes out and goes, why well, had sexual relations with that woman? Like, what? No, that's not what you're supposed to say. Um, I, I swear. I just binged last week on House of Cards, the newest season. It is eerie how much of that show just coincides with what's happening right now. And a vast majority of it was uh, created before the election. So it's uh, – a I guess it's it's art imitating life but or the other know, way I'm around not, it's, yeah, it's life, life imitating art yeah. yeah it's it's a like simultaneous simultaneously though it's it's freaking so If this podcast had come out just a few days ago, this next topic would have been the number one thing we discussed, but God forbid anything just be nice and calm for a few days. The Paris Agreement was all everybody could talk about last uh, Thursday, I think it was. Uh, We had mentioned this actually in the last podcast, that Trump planned to pull the U.S. out of the Paris Agreement. It has to do with climate change and things like that. And sure enough, he pulled this out in this bizarre Rose Garden uh, speech that he must have Filled with all people who love him because they were always clapping for him. And they, they had Scott Pruitt uh, there, who was, you know, I, I, I'm trying to think of a nice way to say this. Um,
1: he was this hype man.
2: Yeah, yeah, that, that's a good way to put it. I was going to be much more crude in the way I, I said. So now, the United States, we're one of three countries, including Syria and Nicaragua, who are not part of the Paris Agreement. And it should be noted that Nicaragua is only out because they want it to be tougher. So, not good.
1: And Syria is in the middle of a bloody civil war, so we can forget them.
2: <laughs> yeah, there is no government there. But, uh, Elon Musk and Bob Iger, uh, they, they were you know, Elon Musk of, uh, of Tesla and Bob Iger of Disney, they pulled out of Trump's advisory council. A lot of these people had said, you know, we're sticking around because we think we could do more good. But, uh, I mean, even people on Trump's side, again, like Rex Tillerson, were saying, don't pull out of this. But, you know, why listen to anybody around him? It's, it, it, it's a mess. Um, and
1: advisors in name only.
2: Really, advisors in name only—they're there to fill a position. Uh, Trump claims that pulling out is going to bring more jobs, less debt, cleaner air to the country, but it's nonsense. He says the world is laughing at us, and you know they're not laughing at us—they're—they're they're laughing in our direction. But I don't think they're laughing at us.
1: Well, Jesse, do you, do you think that the world—and I certainly hope this—that the world sees through Trump and that he doesn't really represent all of America?
2: Some, I think people like Merkel do. But I, like, I don't know what the German citizens do, you know. It, I mean, right. I I just see people at these at NATO and some G7 just going, Jesus Christ, I can't believe this is what's going on there. Uh, it's not like people loved America following that eleven. You know, we we have, we have the, the view of being cowboys over here and you know American, blah you yeah, know, the loud American. Uh, I think it had gotten better in recent years, but I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, I. It, it's, it's tough because I, I met with a, one of my cousins uh, this week. And you know he is, leans more right. I didn't go into him whether he's a big Trump fan or not, but he's you know more conservative than I am. But though he did say he was going to listen to the show because uh, he does like people who try to be down the middle. Although we I guess we haven't been as down the middle for him as I would have liked this episode. But you know, his kind of side, he, he sees that as what's going on probably is correctly. You know we, we're taking the right steps in this. So we may we're complaining the world sees us as being horrible. Maybe they're looking at it and saying you know the world is seeing that we're strong and that the world will see that you know we we put us first so you know honestly I, I i should reach out to some of my swedish friends see what they think i do have a few of them it's
1: very hard stats minister that's yeah. my swedish
2: yes i can i can say hello how are you uh, i don't speak swedish and a few of the things that are even in swedish are not fit for this podcast so uh let's let's go over a few of the things that you know trump claimed or that trump thinks uh he said he said that china and india are going to be allowed to build coal plants and we can't goes, that's not fair what the hell um, it's funny. The Paris Agreement doesn't actually have the word coal in it. Uh, it requires countries to publicly announce uh, their plans to meet carbon emission reduction goals. You know, in, in the end, they can be shamed into into not following, or if they don't follow them. But China's already reduced its dependence on coal, and uh, they're canceling construction of like 100 coal firing plants. India's pledged to reduce emissions by 33 to 35 uh, percent by 2030. So yeah, they're going in the right direction. Uh, I don't know what Trump thinks. I think Trump figures, you know, we're gonna have to stop using coal, and then, then India's going to become one gigantic coal plant.
1: Right. As if uh, the smog in China and India, you know, would you want to be in China now on a 100-degree day in the middle of, you know, Beijing or one of the other major cities? You know, they they know it. They know that they've got it to cut back for their own health and, and risking the future of their country. But dropping out of the Paris Accord sets us behind in being able to capitalize on clean energy development. Okay, the USA Today quoted Shale Kahn of GTM Research, which does market analysis on next generation energy solutions, as saying, the biggest danger in leaving the accord is that you lose your seat at the negotiating table for talks to come. And if you're not able to negotiate bilateral agreements, that can impact US exports of our own leading energy technology.
2: Now, the good news is, by the way, this whole process about getting out isn't isn't really completed until like a day or two after the next 2020 election. So I guess theoretically, if another president came in there and changed his mind, they could put us right back in. I don't know what that process would take, um, but I guess you know not all is not lost for the moment. Uh, but but going towards some of the the green jobs I mean, right now. Uh, there are so many more jobs. Coal is dead. Let me repeat it. Coal is dead. And I have friends from West Virginia. Period. Yeah. Period. Period. Coal's. It's. It's the way of the dinosaur. Um. I. My friends from West Virginia might be very upset with me when I say this, but it's. It's. It's just a fact. There are so many more clean energy jobs and solar jobs right now than there are. Uh. There are in the. In the coal industry, but but you know, you, you play, people see that the, the miner, the the hardworking miner in West Virginia, coal stood on their face, trying to make end meat for the family. It's a very touching story and it's very powerful. I understand that. But uh, it, that's not the direction this country is going in. And I mean, even ExxonMobil, by the way, who you know, deals in oil, whose former head is Trump's Secretary of State, they're urging Trump to stay in this. So at this point, we have to say, you know, these these jobs that you're talking about, start focusing on converting these jobs to the future, to solar, to uh, to green jobs. I, I know there have been some failures in the past with like Solyndra where a lot of money has gone by the wayside, but that doesn't mean that it's not the direction that the country and the world is heading in.
1: Right. The logic and reasoning is backwards, according to Ray Kopp, who's the vice president at Resources for the Future, which is a DC think tank that specializes in this sort of thing. The world is going to decarbonize, and there's a lot of money to be made there. And we're backing out of that. We're taking ourselves out of the equation, and we stand to lose more than we stand to gain.
2: The environment was never my huge thing, but again, as I get older, I'm like, uh oh, you know, these a chunk of the Arctic, the size or Antarctica, the size of Rhode Island is floating around or doing God knows what. Yeah, maybe I should start worrying about it a little more than than I have in the past. Um, and and Trump's his tag, you know, he was waiting. For this his tagline: "I represent the citizens of Pittsburgh, not Paris." I don't want to say what, a Paris, Texas? You know that, that does exist. But uh, it's the people of Pittsburgh don't like Trump. They did not vote for Trump. If if you see the map of of the of the uh, electoral colleges, they did not vote for him. Plus, he has this view of I don't know if it was like '70s uh, Pittsburgh where the giant smokestacks. It's not what that what that town is like anymore. What that city is like anymore. Um, so I guess it was a good zinger in the moment, but it doesn't really hold up.
1: And Pittsburgh was quick to jump on board with the coalition of cities and states where the the mayors and governors jumped on board with following the Paris Climate Accord, even though our president has backed the country out of it.
2: So I think I think I saw a poll or this week that says two to one Americans are in favor of being in the Paris Accord. So yeah, I think it's too late, but the public opinion is against him on this, and that's that's something to say that well, that 66 percent. I mean, that's more than we've seen against Trump right now. And again, that sticks his his absolute bottom of his base, 33 percent, 34 percent. That makes sense of so the people who are going to be with him no matter what. But you can you can like a politician and say they're wrong, you know, just because you're part of Trump's base doesn't mean you have to be with him every step of the way. Just like if you were with part of Obama's base, doesn't mean you have to be with him every step of the way. You can say guess what he's dead wrong he, Cole is dead and he's dead wrong on this one <laughs> although after, after, after some of the problems with comedians this week maybe I shouldn't say Trump and dead in the same sentence I might get in big trouble yeah you could go the way of Bill Maher yeah, you know I, I was about putting some about Bill Maher and um, and Kathy Griffin in here I said you know what those are hot potatoes that I, I, I don't want to touch because I feel we don't have the uh, clout to, uh, to withstand a possible firestorm that might come our way because you're going to piss off somebody probably in that conversation
1: you know, you mentioned Kathy Griffin for a second, and I completely understand because I just last episode, I talked about civility being dead. And, you know, I, I don't believe we should be promoting, you know, violent images of, of our president and such as Kathy Griffin did. But you know, how quick we are to forget, you know, the burning effigies of President Obama, the, the effigies hanging from nooses, those, those things were done not just to President Trump. And where was the outcry then?
2: You know, the outcry is never there again when, when you're in favor for whatever reason. Though Norm MacDonald, uh, one of my favorite comedians, made, made a comment. On, I don't know if it was an interview or a, a statement today saying, you know, it, it really makes no sense. You know, because in that situation, isn't Kathy Griffin ISIS? Shouldn't Trump have been cutting her head off? You know, if you're trying to make a, a point of the, you know, it, it really kind of made no sense. I don't know. And when it comes to the, uh, the Bill Maher thing. I would actually say go listen to Kevin Hart's interview today. He actually said what I think most people should just listen. We should agree with that. You know, Bill Maher should not have said it what he was. It was stupid. It was tactless that he said it. But he's not a racist. He's there to, you know, help uh, help your side. And, and it makes no sense to be calling him a racist. But uh, I guess that's all I'll say on that one without getting you know in trouble or making somebody angry. But before we move on, let's hear from one of our fellow podcasts on the Ace Podcast Network
0: hey everyone venture into the pop culture cosmos today where you'll hear our conversations on different topics within the world of movies tv video games comic books technology board gaming and more you'll also get a taste of some of our other shows within the cosmos as well so come on and join us each week as we delve into the pop culture cosmos
1: welcome
0: to the pop culture cosmos Check out the Pop Culture Cosmo Show today on the Ace Podcast Network.
2: So the NATO meeting happened a couple of weeks ago, but there's always more to talk about when it comes to Trump and his meetings. As we mentioned, I think an episode or two ago, Trump spoke to NATO um, and he refused to reaffirm America's commitment to the mutual defense of the alliance members, uh, Article Five. You know, attack against one is attack against all. Blah blah blah. We've heard this a million times. Uh, it also turns out that we're not the only people who were disappointed by that. It turns out his own national security officials were also both disappointed and confounded that it was. Paid failed to be in the language. Uh, uh, H.R. McMaster, who is the National Security Advisor, uh, James Mattis, who is the Defense Secretary, and uh, the previously mentioned Rex Tillerson, the Secretary of State, all supported Trump putting that language in his speech, and they all thought it was going to be there until they listened to it, and then it wasn't. Yikes.
1: Well, it's important to note, is Trump really in a place to be taking that out and to be questioning whether or not the U.S. will support other countries that are part of NATO, since we are the only country that's ever actually cashed in on Article 5 of NATO mm-hmm. after 9 11. Everyone came to our defense. So who are we now to back out of that?
2: You know, Pence has said it. Other people have said it. Sean Spice said, Why would Trump say that? That was the whole point of that meeting. It makes no sense to say it when that's why you're there. You know, everybody else said it. Spicy. You know, it's you, you just do it, whether it makes sense or not. It's what you do. It's you go there and you you reaffirm your commitment. You shake hands, you hug. It's great. Uh, so McM- <laughs> McMaster, Madison Tillerson, uh, it was reported. You know, maybe the adults in the room, but unfortunately Trump isn't in the room with them, so he's off doing whatever he wants. Uh, McMaster's been getting a lot of crap. Uh, from us too actually because we've we've said we liked him in the past but he's been saying this trip was a big success it was wonderful Mattis however has not necessarily joined in on the administration's uh, spinning over the last weekend he was at an Asian security forum in Singapore and he uh, tried to uh, reassure the allies don't freak out don't freak out I know he didn't say it but we're all good I know he's always saying America first but we're all good and when someone asked him about Trump's actions uh, Mattis quoted Winston Churchill and uh, I think his quote was to quote a British observer of us from a few years Years back, bear with us. Once we have exhausted all their alternatives, the Americans will do the right thing. So we will still be there, and we will still be there with you. Uh, it played well with the audience. They laughed. They thought it was it was funny. But uh, you shouldn't have to say that. It wouldn't be so funny if it wasn't so sad.
1: No. Again, it's someone having to clean up Trump's mess yet again. And it shouldn't be far-fetched for us to think that Russia wouldn't act aggressively. I mean, look at the situation in the Ukraine since 2014. And while Ukraine is not a member of NATO, it's a European country. Russia is still going to, uh, in in my opinion, attempt to use its force and use its weight and muscle to intimidate countries in Eastern Europe. And, you know, we owe it to those countries who have supported us and who we have traditionally supported to be there to help defend them. You know, Donald Trump wants other countries to rely more on their own selves for their defense, right? You go back to a a 2016 campaign event, the CNN town hall with Anderson Cooper, where he said that Japan and South Korea should get nuclear weapons to defend themselves against North Korea. (laughs) You know, these types of comments have potentially disastrous effects for the world. If he truly believes them and see hopes to see them carried out.
2: Yeah. He just doesn't see it that way because, you know, he's, he's the Don. Oh, I think this is the final thing I want to talk about today, at least, was uh, Trump's conflict of interest. It's been going on since the beginning of the administration, especially as it pertains to Trump's uh, children, Eric and Don Jr., and his uh, Trump business. Uh, He's supposed to be totally separate from it, shouldn't be hearing anything about it, but that's not going to stop them from telling Daddy how the business is going. Uh, Eric Trump told ABC News today that he shares Trump business profit reports with the president, but says, you know, it doesn't blur the lines – it's separate. It's totally different from the presidency. Uh, you're allowed to do that. He says you're allowed to do that. You can look at it, um, and I'll still remember he's the president. But this, this quote just drives me. Nuts. You know, we don't talk about activities in the business. We don't talk about what we're doing with the business. I don't think anybody actually believes that. Do do they? I should hope not.
1: You know, we're relying on them to you know use the the honor system that they're not going to discuss the goings on of trump's businesses that he has been the chief executive of for the last 40 years do we really believe that now that he's president he's truly going to step away if they're discussing the business practices Ah, i don't know that that just seems uh, too unlikely to me
2: you know if he's really distancing himself from the company the people who are running it his sons in this case shouldn't be sharing or discussing anything with them you know it's like uh, hey, son, what's new with you? Well, dad, business is booming, but I can't tell you anything, so let's talk about something else. No, no. He's probably like, here, dad, it's great. Let me show you what's going on. You know, No one's paying attention to things right now in the Oval Office with the door closed.
1: Well, what's concerning, if you listen to Eric Trump's interview, it was a pre-taped interview on Good Morning America uh, this morning. You know, He talked about sharing profit reports with his father, and he said – it doesn't blur the lines. You're allowed to show that. And remember, the president of the United States has zero conflicts of interest. Zero. Just the way that he says this, it's – he speaks much like his father. Like, you, I know the rules. Don't question me. You know, We're good.
2: Any normal human being in the past who was president would have said, you know what? I don't know if there are conflicts of interest or not. But just to make sure everything appears to be on the up and up, I won't meet with my – with In this case, my children, but with, with the people who took over the business and discuss anything about the business just because I want to be uh, totally transparent. But that's not the case with this uh, presidency and this administration. All right, we're not dealing
1: with just any other president.
2: We are not. Well, that was a lot of information to talk about. What do you got for uh, Kevin's Corner this week?
1: Well, Jesse, presidents are often concerned with building a legacy to speak to their accomplishments for all of our posterity to be represented in the history books as a true champion of our American democracy. In the past week, President Trump has taken two separate stances on issues that could potentially make or break his legacy of leadership. First, in reiterating his demand for a travel ban, his insistence on calling it such, he is pushing us towards isolation, closing our borders and turning our backs on those who seek refuge here in order to give the U.S. a false sense of safety and security. Second, in abandoning the Paris Climate Accord, the president has attempted to make good on a campaign promise of revival to those in the outdated American fossil fuel industries, such as coal. Both of these decisions walk America back a century in time. History rewards those who lead America towards progress and greatness. By turning our back on our ideals and the environment, we are stepping down from our leadership role in the world. This seems contradictory to the president's own promise to make America great again. Of this, history will remember.
2: Indeed we will. We Much like an elephant, history never forgets. Well, I want to thank again everybody for listening. It's always great to have you guys on board and enjoying our podcast. Remember if you want to support us, that could be a dollar, $2, $5, whatever you got. You can go to patreon.com/grab. That's p a slash e o n.com/grab. We appreciate it. We have some cool uh, I guess prizes or gifts for you. We can give you a shout out on the show. We can mention a topic of your choosing, give you a t-shirt, whatever it takes. You can also just go to our website at You'll find all the links to our podcasts and to our social media sites and a couple of handsome pictures of Kevin and I as well. Me and, me and Kevin, Kevin and me. I, You know, when I was into politics, I was not an English major. I apologize. It's Kevin and me. Kevin and me. That's, you know, that's that's what I thought actually, but I just didn't want to edit. I figured we'd leave this little uh, conversation in there and you guys can laugh at me and enjoy it. Until next time, thanks, Kevin. Later.